It's time for the Give Me Zone on the ref. 11. Now this is a 12, guys. Now he's got to start worrying about qualifying for next year's Open and the Masters here. He's lost this tournament. He'll end up selling Countess Maritimes and renting golf carts the rest of his life. We're talking PGA, college, high school, local courses, and the latest golf news. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah. Okay, you can owe me. Now, it's time for three tremendous slouches. Well, we're waiting. Brian Vineyard, Josh Helmer, and Jackson Robottom. Some story, wouldn't it be? If he was there at the end, well, guess what? That story has unfolded. Justin Rose. Back in the winner's circle. That's just a hard nine iron. Falling right on it. Right on it. Brilliant round. Bogey free. Ah, good morning. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome in. It's the Gimme Zone right here on the ref. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. We've got Jackson Robottom hanging out with us as well. What you just heard right off the top. Well, the the first cut, probably pretty self-explanatory. Justin Rose, win number 11 in his career. It had not been any time recently since Rosie found his way into the winner's circle, but uh, he got that accomplished last week at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And when last we left you, he with Hovland, and help me out, guys, if there was a name or two beyond those entering moving day that you would consider one of the, the top names in the sport. It kind of felt like those were the two bigger names lurking, and lo and behold, uh, Rose over the weekend finds a way to go win the thing. Actually, into Monday. Into Monday took for uh, Rose to win. So we had that there, and then Scotty Scheffler, fast start. He leads the WM Phoenix Open. And John John Rom right there as well, which it's interesting this week because both of those two gentlemen, they've got the opportunity to ascend up to number one with a win, some things happening with Rory McIlroy and and John Rom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They could uh, leapfrog up over McIlroy into world number one. So we got a bunch going on. We've got Max Savage getting booked down there at the WM Phoenix Open, <laughs> which we can kick around. But good morning, gentlemen. Brian, how are you? Good morning, Josh. How was your evening last night? It was good. It was uh, uneventful on a Friday, which is unusual. Well, sometimes that's great. You know, we ridiculed the tour about last week's leaderboard, other than the two aforementioned. And I think when we did our picks, I'm pretty sure one of you guys picked Justin Rose, right? Uh, I believe I believe he was somebody's dark horse when we were going in there because I remember you picked Victor Hovland, right, Josh? Yeah, I, I was between Rose and Hovland. You know me, I, I'm a sucker for favorites. Oh yeah, that's, sucker for favorites. And that in OSU, I mean, we had we had we had a little skin in the game, so uh, it was it was awesome to see Justin Rose win because he's one of my favorite golfers purely from a technical standpoint. He went out there and he did what he was supposed to do: tight golf course, small greens at Pebble Beach. And he's been going through equipment changes the last four years and finally settled on some stuff. Don't know exactly what's in his bag right now, but he finally settled. And it looks like he's starting to get his swing down. He's getting a little bit better. He's getting into a rhythm. And so Justin Rose, I mean, it was just, it was just a good win. It was classy. 
Six, uh, six under final round, I think, for, for Justin Rose. Yeah, he goes 65-66 over the weekend, which is pretty salty at Pebble. I mean, I'm just saying, um, you know, because they had some pretty inclement weather earlier in the week. Probably softened the course up a little bit, but anytime you're putting on Poana greens, you always have that X factor because the greens just don't roll as true as bent. And, you know, Jackson, you referenced it. Justin Rose, what a golf swing that guy's had it's for beautiful. years. It's beautiful. How does – how does a guy, guys, like that, with that good a swing, not win more? Well, that's good question. That is a good question, especially considering. I mean, you look at Adam Scott. He's got. If you were going to look up a textbook golf swing, if you were going to look up a golfer's manual, Adam Scott's the swing you would try to model your swing after. When was the last time Adam Scott won on the tour? But Adam Scott can't putt. We all know that. That is also Justin true. Justin Rose has never been a bad putter. I mean, he's not been a what you know an elite putter at PGA Tour level. But, but not Adam Scott, cough away, choke up the tournament. Yeah, Adam Scott's you know, using the old man putter for most of his professional <laughs> career. You know, it's the it's the thing you see in the sixty year olds bag. You know, guys like it me, is. it's in our bag. You know, it's what happens when your nerves go? Well, all all the same. I mean. It, it, you're right, though. Both of you. It is a wonder how he has not won in that four-year span. He, and especially considering the fact he won the Tour Championship in 2018, won the Farmers in 19, which was the last tournament he won before this before this AT and T the the Pro Am at Pebble Beach. So it's it is a wonder, and you got hopefully he's able to right the ship and be in a little bit more contention. He would love to get back into the top ten in the world. I know that for a fact. How, how seriously? Of a factor, do you? I mean, he's a little bit older, but uh, as you mentioned there, Jackson, he settled on his equipment changes. Obviously, just picked up a, a win at Pebble Beach, and I think what you were working working us into the conversation of Brian was okay. This field at the WM Phoenix Open, little little saltier than what we saw last week at Pebble Beach. But hey, a win is a win is a win, and it had been a long time for Justin Rose having done that. So. Before we dive into what the leaderboard looks like so far at the Phoenix Open, staying power, Justin Rose, where are you at with it? What did uh, what did the win last week mean for you, Brian? Well, I think he got the monkey off his back, per se. You know, I, I feel like he let himself know he can win and beat, beat a field. I mean, even though it wasn't the most elite field. be interesting to see my barometer would be how he plays at Augusta. He's played well there in the past. I feel like it's a course that fits his game. How does he play at Augusta? The, well, the, the question is going to boil down to his irons, uh, as kind of has been his kryptonite over those four years. We, I know he's lost a little bit of distance with his driver, and he's going to have to draw on that 2017 magic because that was the year that him and Sergio went to that uh, playoff on 18, and that was when Sergio was playing out of his mind too. Justin Rose has everything he needs to go out there and win it. Uh, the, the only thing that comes into question is, you know, he – I don't want to make the old joke again, but it is – Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I know. And he looked right at me when I did. I know I did. It was a mistake on my part. But he's, he's, he's up there now as far as his PGA Tour career. He's in his early 40s. I don't know how his longevity is holding up. He looks to be okay. But he's he's going to have to really dial in the long game and short game around Augusta because his power isn't going to do him any favors. He He's still good off the tee, 300, 310 yards total. 
but his distance isn't going to be doing him any favors when you go up against like your Scotty Schefflers and you go up against your Patrick Cantlays, all these guys who are really long hitters who go around Augusta and also have that short game. So he's right. I mean, Josh, Josh was spouting the truth. Augusta's going to be a good barometer for him. You know, Josh, I was getting ready to ask you what the over-under on for Jackson to make old jokes. How many minutes into the show, and we have nailed it inside the first ten minutes. Ten minutes. I, mean, I, I so think would have been the under. on total, you old man jokes, as he looks at me again? I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he's intimidated now. I don't know that we're going to get too many more. Oh, this we've morning. got him in the studio today right next to me, so he's right in, re- in he's range. He's feeling the heat. Wait until I get comfortable, guys. He's in That's range. That's all I'm saying. Ugh. So, I, you know – Justin's got plenty of distance for for sure Augusta. I think when you get at that stage in your career, these guys start trying to play golf courses that fits their eye, that they personally like, outside of the majors, obviously. And so you, you start seeing them narrow their schedule. But regarding schedule this week, why is it that you think the waste management field so much better? Elevated purse. Elevated purse. Ding, 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 ding. So clearly, at least one event in, it's working, right? And we can get into the debate about whether or not you, you know, how much stock you still put into the official world golf rankings for the moment when you've got the live tour that's not earning points and guys are getting dinged and they're, they're, they're plummeting like rocks, right, in the world rankings. But that being said, 18 of the top 20 in the world are at the WM Phoenix Open right now. So... The elevated purse, whether or not that's truly the top 18 of 20 in the world is up for debate. But look, it's 18 of the best golfers in the world are there competing in this event. You've got two of the guys that uh, have been playing some of the best golf the last couple of seasons in Scheffler and in Rom. Rom already this year playing some of the best golf with a couple of wins already. They're right there at the top of the leaderboard. You convinced Rory McIlroy to play in this event for just the second time in his career. So that had been, uh, I mean, something he hadn't done in the past. And he is the world number one. So, yeah, the, the elevated purse, it's working, right? Money money talks. Well, Jackson, let's talk about these world, these golf rankings sure. right now. Let's do it. Let's say it's 18 of the top 20 best PGA Tour players. Not in the world. Because because of these rankings and what they're doing to the folks that are, not, are playing in the Live Tour, we can't call it 18 of the best 20 players in the world and, and actually look ourselves in the mirror, right? There's an asterisk there, for sure. Especially, I mean, we, we talked about it last week as well. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Cameron Smith is b- my my best argument for that. For my, for my opinion, Cameron Smith is going to be one of your best golfers in the world. And I don't know where exactly he ranks right now inside of the official world golf ranking. But if he was still accumulating points toward that... He'd be top five in the world, no doubt. And so you're, you, there is a there is an asterisk next to it just because some of the best players are not playing on the PGA Tour. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. He's still number four, by the way. Oh, it, Cameron Smith still is four? F- for right now. Okay. But okay. you're going to see that ranking start tick-tocking down real quickly. Sure. Well, and, they, and you've noticed that with some of the other players. Their, their, their rankings have fallen really quickly. And obviously uh, Cam Smith was buffered by his uh, – win at the British Open last year. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how these play out and how much weight to it is given as these majors come up later this year. Do they use the World Golf Rankings as a crutch to exclude people? 
Probably so. <clears throat> Probably so. I mean, obviously, if you've got some winner's exemptions, then you're in, right? But other than that, the official world golf rankings is how folks get into these majors and a bunch of these tournaments. So my answer would be on the surface, yes. And that's why I think it's important for the Live Tour to try and get that straightened out as quickly as they, they can. But as we discussed in length last spring and summer, Brian, the problem they've got is the people that are on the board to determine whether or not it's going to be a part of the official world golf rankings. Guess what? They don't like the Live Tour, right? It's it's all of the folks involved that have been pushing back against the Live Tour are on that board that determine the uh, the world golf rankings points. So <laughs> that is a substantial hurdle, and I don't know how you figure that one out. Well, you got the fox guard in the hen house here, right? I mean, <laughs> it's you know, man, it's it, the fact that people aren't seeing through that is uh, amazing to me. But I will tell you, you know, as, as with some of the majors like U.S. Open. I believe it's a 10-year exemption if you win. It's not, uh, you, you know, we bring all the past champions back like Augusta typically has done. And even the British Open typically has invited all previous champions back if they want to play. I mean, we've seen some really old, I mean, Tom Watson darn near won the thing. 2009 turned yeah. there, yeah, against Sink. Yeah, as, you know, at the end of his senior tour career, right? Yeah, I mean, well, Tom I guess Wa- we'll call it champions because <laughs> they, they renamed it so it wasn't so offensive to us old people. Yeah. Because <laughs> I am of that qualifying age, by the way. Now. I just want to say he said it, not me this time. Oh, but that's you all were what thinking I'm it. Off the hook. Yeah, you I'm off the hook. It. Everything flies there. But You were thinking it. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, though, because the Masters have <clears throat> already stated that if you're in the top 50 in the World Golf Rankings, you'll get the invite, including – the Live Tour players. We know Live Tour players are going to be in the field. And so, so long as they're within that, they're not excluding it. So at least they're being consistent there, the World Golf Rankings. For how long, I don't know. This is the first year where they've really had to do that. But it's... Top, top 50 now or top 50 when the Masters rolls around? It's going to be top 50 by the time they send the invites, and I don't know when the deadline is for that just I, yet. I think, I think in a bunch of those Live Golfers, as we discussed last week, most of the guys that we think should be there are going to be in. Yes. Well, the the effect is not necessarily going to be as much this year until you get to the end of the golf season. But next year yes. is where it really starts affecting these rankings. Because it's when what, you, over a two-year period? When you had essentially two years of them getting little to no world golf ranking points. That's true. And, and the rankings themselves, right, operate over a two-year period? I believe... That's right. I'm not certain. But, I, yeah. I, I can't. I can't say for certain if that's the case. I, no. I've never. I mean, honestly, I've never paid one ounce of attention to World Golf rankings until it became an issue because of Live Tour. Sure. Because again, you look at some of them, you're like, well, that guy's number one, but clearly, I mean, Scheffler was the best player in the world well before he was number one. Yes. Right. And if you're gonna look at, well, let's let's just take betting odds. Let's just take Vegas odds for a second. Before the World Golf Rankings became as big of a deal, you used to look at players' games and just see, okay, this is my favorite for this week for this reason. You know, now it's become a default. Scotty Scheffler's the best player in the world. He's going to win this week. And so, you, I mean, the, the World Golf Rankings, for better, I mean, they, they cause some issues. And then when you throw Liv into it, it's just like we're, we're having the entire debate about it. It's, okay, well, Cameron Smith's not in the field. I mean, there's an asterisk next to it at this point. So there's a giant question mark about how the world golf rankings need to operate, and that's the entire reason we're having 
this discussion right now. And you know what? It's an ongoing discussion. It, it will be ongoing. will not be solved by the show's end, and uh, it will not be solved next month or the month after that. But it's going to be fascinating to watch. Hey, we've got so much going on this morning. No, we will not bury the lead. Yes, we've seen the news. Tiger Woods, he's in. He's in for next week's Genesis Invitational. We'll talk about that this morning. Uh, Scotty Shepard, John Rahm, we told you they could both overtake Rory McIlroy for world number one. Let's talk a little bit about their starts in the Waste Management Phoenix Open next. And I would be remiss if I said, if I didn't tease and tell you, Norman High head golf coach Greg Grost, Norman North head golf coach Ryan Rayner, they're going to hang out with us bottom half of this hour. So look forward to that. The Gimme Zone, we're underway right here on The Wrap. Back with you, it's the Gimme Zone right here on The Rep. Happy Saturday, everybody. We'll be quick here. We've got Coach Greg Gross waiting in the wings. Norman High head head golf coach Ryan Rayner should be along shortly. He hasn't strolled through that door yet, but I know he's he's going to be along shortly. Norman North head golf coach as well. So we've got some star power toward the top of the board. Man, how about the start for Scotty Scheffler in this uh, waste management Phoenix Open, John Rahm, he's right there too. And what a week for those two to go out and play this way to start this event. Again, we we opened the show, and if you're just joining us, both John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler have pathways to world number one if they win this week. And, oh, by the way, what's happened so far? Scotty Scheffler, 10 under par, Brian. John Robb, 8 under par, Brian. So here we go, two guys that they've got Rory McIlroy and world number one in their sights. And I know we at times sort of point and laugh at the world golf rankings because of some of the items we mentioned. But to these guys on tour, it is a badge of honor to be world number one. Of course it is. And here you've got two guys that are trying to track that down this week. And lo and behold, they're playing great. You're right, Josh. And, you know, if you look at the leaderboard right now, look who's making a huge, huge run finishing up round two. Jordan Spieth, eight under on his second round because a lot of the – or several of the guys did not get done with their second round, and they're finishing up this morning. So he is at eight under, eight under for the round. That wow. is just killing it. And the other thing that as I look at this leaderboard that is interesting to me – this is a guy that at one point was as good as anybody on the tour, had some back injuries, appears to be fine in his game again. One of the greatest putters in the world in his prime, Jason Day. Well, so I've got on the list of the list of show topics, and I'll just reveal what's behind door number one here. The uh List of show topics, five golfers who could break out and win again. I found this list a couple of weeks ago. I'll give them credit. At Golf Week of USA Today, congratulations. They did publish this story on January 23rd. So they're, they're not just come, at, come as you are lately on this deal. They had it. And guess what? Jason Day, one of the names that was on that list. So I'm glad you brought him up. That is, uh, that's interesting, Jackson, that somebody that – Look, a couple of years ago, and I say a couple of years ago, been four or five years now. When did he win that PGA Championship? A uh, PGA Championship was 2015, Whistling oh, Straits. Oh my gosh, it was that long ago. It was eight years. Oh, say a couple of years ago. Well, I didn't wow. have gray hair yet. So that's <laughs> that's a little frightening for me. But okay, so but and that's a long time ago. But Jason Day is not. You know, I think he's 35 right now. So it's not as though we're talking about 
like even Justin Rose, a 42-year-old golfer, Jason Day's got some tread left on the tires of what could be conceivably the back end of his prime. That's eight years ago. That's a long time ago. But Jason Day in that moment, that summer, throughout that schedule, was the best golfer in the world or one of them. And then he's mysteriously just disappeared on us, and yet, who knows, maybe he's on the way back up here. Well, going into 2016, Jason Day at one point did hit number one in the world. I think by the time the U.S. Open rolled around, he was the number one golfer on the planet. And so he was just all over it. But you're right, that back injury and the, the, the ensuing injuries that he had really took the wind out of his sails a little bit. And if you watch his swing then and watch his swing now, two very different swings because he's just alleviating the pressure on his back. And he's doing so much right in his long game. Uh, yesterday I was watching him. He was a little shaky with the putter, but you, you don't just get to 600 by not playing well. So Jace, Jason Day is is really coming back. He's got a really good shot at winning again. So when you say he's made some tweaks to the to the swing, what do you see? I saw – I'm very novice with some of this, but I, I did see he's got a little bit more knee flex, it looks like, in the backswing. Some some people toss that out there. But what, what do you see that's – different where he's trying to alleviate back pain well the, the biggest thing is he's using more rotation he's not casting his arms he's not as violent with his golf swing anymore and so when I say violent he's coming down really really fast his tempo is very fast he's not that way anymore he is very slow he's a bit more methodical and he lets his rotation take it a little bit more flex in the knees and so it's going to take a lot more pressure off the back so it's very similar to what Tiger did when he was going through a bit of his back fusion surgery when he was going through his back stuff it's going to be very similar. He's putting more rotation, and he's not as violent and quick with his hips anymore. So it's got to be – I mean, he's got to be given length up off the tee, right? He's given a little bit. Oh. Some of that's due to age anyway, you know, compared to the to the really young guys on tour that are bombing it. But uh, a, a lot of it Jackson hit on. It's more rotation. or using more of the big muscles versus that violent hip rotation that he lived on before. And then you have to go into that reverse C finish – that puts a lot of strain on the back. And you've seen even guys like VJ Singh and some of those that used to be ultra long in their day have to make those changes to their swing once they start having back issues. And, and quite frankly, many golfers have back issues when they play at this level, right? This is not new. He had some pretty severe ones, but I think he had some family issues as well, too, that kind of derailed him and sidetracked him away from golf beyond just the back injuries. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff will take you away. Golf is, at the end of the day, it is their job. It is a game, though, and family has a tendency to take priority over a lot of different things. I think that's a lot of maybe what happened to Ricky during his spell. He got married. He's got, I believe, he's got one or two kids now. I can't remember. But that, that, that takes time out of your life, and you want to focus on that. And I think Ricky and – now Jason Day are finally at a spot where they can work back at their game a little bit more. They're comfortable enough, and they've got their routine settled enough with their family. They can, they can efficiently practice and work on their game now. Well, again, Ricky Fowler, another one of those five names that was golfers who we haven't seen or heard from in a little while could break out and win again this season. Let's dive into more of this next hour. I want to revisit this subject and just kind of play – typical radio game here buy or sell most likely to legitimately break out and win again and, and perhaps win big and each of those two names would be on that list but there's three other golfers that were on that list of five golfers that could break out and win again in 2023 before we take a timeout and we hear from the crosstown clash coaches just your general thoughts scheffler rom toward the excuse me scheffler rom toward the top of the board scheffler 
is tied for the lead right now. Hadwin has pulled even with him, and he's still playing, still finishing up his second round. He's got a couple of holes to play. Rom's in the house. He's finished as well. He's eight under par. Your reaction to those two guys toward the top of the board? Oh, it's great theater, right? You can only hope that uh, they both play well today. And literally, if you take everybody that's in, you know, top 10 to 15 right now, if if those guys play well today, you're going to have a fantastic finish tomorrow, right? I mean, it's right when, you know, that tournament or this tournament gets a lot of views because people are gearing up for their Super Bowl parties watching the end of that. Uh, oh, yeah. Of that uh, golf tournament. I know we have. I mean, that's on the TVs, even though people are starting to roll into the house. And so it's, you know, it, it gives them a platform that's different than a lot of other tour events. And with this being an elevated event, I mean, that just makes it hopefully a great finish on sun, on Sunday. Well, yeah, and you've got, I mean, they're the two best golfers. I mean, they're two of the three best golfers on the PGA Tour right now, bar none. And so, as Brian said, excellent theater. You're watching the best go at it. Now, John Rahm historically has not done well here, but... He's worked out his putter, and he's putting phenomenally this week. That's what's got him to where he's at. And then Scotty Scheffler is just a magician with his irons. So it's going to be a fun tournament coming down the stretch. Definitely going to be a fun Saturday, but if they can keep it going, we're going to have them final group on, on Sunday hey, as well. Don't sleep on Adam Hadwin either. No, absolutely I mean, if not. If you look at what, what that guy's done with his game over the last two years, it's nothing but a straight upward trajectory. The Canadian, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hadwin. Enough of our shenanigans on the PGA Tour and the Waste Management Phoenix Open for now. Let's hear from the, the coaches, Coach Greg Grost, Coach Ryan Rayner, Norman High, and Norman North, respectively. The season is here. They're here to preview it with us next right here on the Gimme Zone. Back with you in a moment on The Rav. Back with you. It's the Gimme Zone. Happy Saturday, everybody. We're fired up. We're joined by the two head coaches from Norman High and Norman North. Norman High. Head golf coach Greg Grost is with us. Norman North head golf coach Ryan Rayner is with us as well right here on the Gimme Zone as we welcome you back. Coach Grost, let's start with you. First off, thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday to join us. How, how excited are you? The The season is here. What kind of Norman High golf team do we have? We're ready to get going. Um, veteran team coming back, three seniors that played last year in the state, uh, fourth senior that is trying to get in that lineup. Uh, Three juniors, one of which was uh, new into the program, and uh, uh, so we're excited. Coach Rayner, same for you. Uh, obviously, I'm sure similarly just ready to get going with the spring. How are things going, and what are you excited about? Yeah, we're definitely ready to get going. Uh, coming off last year, I think guys are excited, try to want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. Uh, kind of same scenario as Coach Gross here. Got a couple of upperclassmen that are going to anchor us for the spring and uh, just got to keep – getting better each day coaches I'll start with uh, you Ryan tell me um, what you guys have try to have your kids do in the off season what type of programs do you have them do besides just going out and practicing and playing do you monitor you know their progress I know you have a couple of good assistant coaches as well that I know because I play golf with them but uh, tell me and tell everybody out there what you guys do because sometimes there's kind of a misperception that ah, the kids just go to the golf course and do whatever they want this probably sounds anticlimactic, but I actually don't force my guys to do anything. I'm a believer in that if they want to get better and they want to be great at this game, that they're going to choose to do it on their own. I tell them I'm always available, and if that they need help with either weight programming or ideas to practice, that I'm there to help them, but I'm not going to make them, them do any of it. Uh, the guys do keep in touch with JR and 
and calf. Uh, Calf's really good with the the weight stuff. So I know a lot of guys have reached out to him, and they he's got them set up on their individual programs. And Jr's really good technical guy, so a lot of them you know stay in touch with him with uh, videos from indoor and putting and things like that. Coach Gross, how about you? It's a year-round commitment. Um, when I started doing this, when they asked me to come back and I said I would do this, I said pretty much do it like I did in college. And so we work out, the guys work out uh, three or four days in the morning uh, in the fall and uh, four days in the spring, uh, 7 a.m. We're either on the track or in the gym or both. And um, college golf shapes high school golf, especially in this state, because of the fact that it's so you're so aware of what goes on at OU, OSU, Cameron, <clears throat> Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, all those different schools. So, um, 36 whole days, you know, those are a reality in college golf. It's the way college golf flows, and now it's come down to high school golf. And because they're young, their bodies are still growing. Uh, you know, they, they have to get in these routines and they have to understand that if they want to play this game at the next level in college and maybe beyond, you know, they can't wait until they're in college to start doing this. And I always used to term with the guys, I said, if you want to play college golf, you got to pass the eye test. Because coaches walk up and down when they're evaluating up and down that driving range, whether they're at OJGTs, AJGAs, et cetera, and they look and they can just tell. And so that's the commitment we have. Uh, as far as practice is concerned, uh, I'm very much like Ryan. Uh, I'm, if I have to tell them to go practice, they're in the wrong place, okay? They have to want to get better. And so we do have structure on what we're going to do. But uh, some guys may want to practice in the fall on one day, and other guys want to go play. So I'm going to try to accommodate that. Well, that's a great perspective. I know that's kind of how the game of golf has changed. And, and considering that you – you know, we're very successful at the college level and bringing that down to high school, it gives those players a great perspective. I know when I played high school golf back in the 80s, we had uh, our golf coach, great man, but he was a football coach. And he literally came in the fall and was like, I want you guys to start working out. And we laughed. We're like, okay, we all used to play other sports. We quit doing that because we don't want to work out. But how the game of golf has changed now where a workout regimen is absolutely vital part of your development. Whereas, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it wasn't the same at probably any level, you know. Coach Holder, uh, obviously the legendary golf coach at legendary. Oklahoma State, he basically set the bar in college golf where working out was important. Uh, he started recruiting Swedes, and they were in, you know, just naturally better athletes. And so he started pushing the American players that he recruited into being much better athletes. He was ahead of his time. And so then as we, I was coming up, I had played against him, and then I coached, began my coaching racing. And we all kind of emulated what he did. And it's just, it's just it's gotten bigger, and now it's out on the tour. But now the guys going out on the tour are better. And that's, they're, they're coming in to the tour. Ryan, you know this. The guys that are coming out of college can go out and play right now. It's because they're better athletes and they're skilled. Do you think that's, I mean, just generally speaking, from where I'm sitting – Obviously, it's helped the sport, right? It's uh, To me, in some ways, it's probably helped the perception of the, the game of golf a little bit. But do you find that Do you find that because golf is now – it's an athlete's game, right? It, it is. I mean, we see better athletes than ever before in the world of golf. Does that make it more accessible in a sense, Coach? And you guys can just each answer that if you don't mind. I think it's gained more interest because of um, – it's become a little more sexy than the old country club – trousers and you know polo you know stuffy look you've got guys out there that are 
uh, trying to hit it 380 yards and straight down the middle and chipping on the greens or you know it's it's become a little more of a fun sport uh the tiger effect you know clearly expanded the market and then yeah guys like ricky fowler and then bryson and guys that are exciting and fun to watch and i think that's that's really has made it more accessible to people i think we still got to do a better job of getting um, the game to where it's not such an affluent sport coach uh i want want to hear about both of your teams coach gross uh Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about each of these golfers. I know that uh, several of your seniors, Ben Campbell, uh, Denon Norman, Quinn Robertson, all going to be big factors for you. Uh, Sebastian Salazar as well. That's a move-in for you, and he's got an interesting story that I'd like you to share. But what can you tell us about each of those golfers and what they bring to the table for you? Well, this year Ben and uh, and Denon are co-captains, uh, as voted on by their teammates. Um, you know, they – this class, the 2023 graduating class across the country, is the least evaluated and the least recruited group of any in all sports, specifically in, in uh, spring sports, uh, for college athletics forever. Why? Because they lost an entire spring. They basically lost the summer. And so those young men, young women that lost that time, they're playing catch-up. And um, you see that. And, and, and these two young men, uh, and along with Quinn, um, and even Camden, Norm, uh, Camden Hager, who's the other, our other senior, you know, physically they're now where they should have been a year ago. Um, Golf-wise, they're still playing catch-up, but they're getting there. Uh, th- you know, three of them are going to go play and play at the next level. It's somewhere in college. That's, that's, that's pretty much set. Uh, so those guys have to lead. Um, sitting here with the defending State 6A champions that won at Jimmy last year, um, you know, you had that unique situation where you had talented players that were committed and you had enough veteran that knew what, how to do it. And you played a hard golf course and you, and you just flat won and beat everybody. You know, every year it changes. Just, and the only constant in college or high school athletic has changed. And so uh, hopefully the three young men we have there that are seniors, they're going to take off, run with the ball. Uh, they're chopping at the bits. And we'll see where it takes them. Um, Sebastian. Sebastian, we have three juniors, uh, Cade Wilson, uh, Maddox Valentine, and Sebastian. Cade and Maddox have, have been waiting their turn. They've both played, and they're both getting better. They're bigger. They're stronger. Um, and logically, one of those guys should walk in and have a chance to start, or both of them. We were lucky last year. Um, young man, Sebastian, um, has a lot of family here in the Norman area. He was actually born in Oklahoma City uh, in Children's Hospital. Uh, but he grew up in Venezuela, um, and so he, uh, um, as you all probably are aware, Venezuela is not the safest country in the world to be in these days, and so his family really wanted to get him out of Venezuela for his own safety um, because he's a dual citizen, and he's a target, and he had to go places with security and bulletproof cars and, I mean, he literally that much. Um, so uh, he transferred into, he moved to Norman. His family has moved here, and... Um, um, so he's a, he's a world-class player. Uh, if anybody knows what the world amateur golf rankings, that's the, that's the rankings in the, across the world of amateur golfers. And he got as high as 451 last year as a 15-year-old. So um, he's world-class, uh, but he's also just turning 16. He's going through that awkward stage. He's growing. He's getting stronger. You know, what was easy before because he just did it is now something different. The workout things is all different. So we'll see. So uh, uh, we've got depth. We've got, we've got uh, leadership. And, 
can't wait to get started and see if we can chase the Timberwolves. Well, on that subject, Coach, uh, what did it mean for you and your program? I know that last year's last year, and you know, to some degree, look, it it doesn't do anything necessarily for 2023, but winning a state championship. What what did it mean to you? What did it mean to your program? And does it springboard you in any way into uh, into this season? It's hard to put into words what it meant. I've uh, been through several tier sessions yeah, at different times just because of how difficult it is to get five high school kids to all buy in and do something great together. Uh, last year was pretty neat. Those guys really close-knit group. They bought in. They worked hard. They pushed each other. They supported each other. And uh, the way they picked themselves up after uh, pretty much collapsing on 18 and regulation and then be able to get it together and go back out and pour in three birdies in a playoff that was that's pretty pretty neat and something I'll never forget and I'm hoping they they'll never forget forget it either as far as using that as a springboard in this spring um, we did a really good job last year uh, after tournaments you know we'd win or runner up and you know we'd get in the van guys you know enjoy that today tomorrow we're back to back to square one or at zero so we got to keep working keep pushing we're trying to take that same mindset into this year. So, I mean, what's done is done, but we got we got more things ahead of us, and we got to keep working towards it. So we're due we're due one break. We, can you guys stay with us to the top of this next hour? Okay, let's take a quick break. Let's come back, Coach Rayner. I want to hear just about some of the personnel on your team in general, and then you guys. I think I've done something so neat, which is put the clash together. So let's talk a little bit about that this morning as well. It's the Gimme Zone right here on the Ref. Back with you in a jiff. Gimme Zone, our number one. We're back with you. Having a, a ton of fun this morning. We've got the two Crosstown Clash coaches hanging out with us. I'm Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Jackson Rowbottom. Greg Gross from Norman High, Ryan Rayner from Norman North. They are in the house with us until the top of the hour. Coach Ryan Rayner, where we left off, we, uh, we haven't heard specifically about some of your personnel. Josh Stewart, Max Carange, uh, Mac Moore, Dax Rambo, Josh Burtman, Hayden Russ, some of the, the key names to watch. Again, like uh, Coach Gross previewed a little bit of his roster, tell us a little bit about those golfers and what they bring to the table for you, Coach. Yeah, we're, we're pretty much uh, not senior-laden, but upper upperclassmen. We'll probably have three to four juniors playing top five most of the year and one to two seniors kind of filling in the other spot there. Uh, Hayden, you mentioned as a freshman, uh, a lot of talent, just raw, lacks the reps the other guys have uh we're working with him to make some corrections and fixes on things that he does he's also learning how to practice properly you know a lot of the guys uh just enjoy going out to the course and playing golf and uh, they're learning that that's not getting better that's just being at the golf course so uh, uh we're excited uh max Carange and josh stewart are two captains uh, max being a senior and josh uh, junior uh they're Great leaders by example, both kind of quiet leaders. Both have stepped up their game uh, the last few months about being a little more vocal leader and pushing guys and challenging them um, at, at our practices daily. Hey, Coach Gross, we'll ask you, who out there in 6A besides your two great squads are going to be the ones that everybody looks at and says, hey, they're somebody that can win any tournament that they enter? Edmund North is an obvious. I mean, it used to be in, in 6A golf in this state that the 6A state championship just went through Edmund. Um, then Owasso jumped in there one year uh, when it was played at Karsten Creek. 
uh, a couple years, is that right? And uh, so, you know, I think Edmund North is going to be, as always, extremely talented and, and very, very good. Uh, Stillwater um, is going to be fabulous this year. Uh, Jinx will always be good. They have a coach. They had a coaching change. Uh, I think Union could be sneaky. And, and then we, that I understand, just from listening to the guys, that Bixby also has a chance to be pretty good. So we've got two minutes with you both here. I. I want to talk about the schedule that you've got coming up just immediately and then the clash itself. So you guys have put together what is an awesome showcase for Norman High and Norman North and had a ton of success with it last year. But I'll let you talk about it, Coach Rayner. What what was the thinking behind putting the clash together? When is it? And uh, how can folks get involved? I, well, I'd love to take credit for it, but it was actually my uh, predecessor, Josh Gorsney and Coach Gross, that put it together. And I think they felt a need that golf was kind of overlooked in the Norman – uh, high school scene as far as having the two schools go head to head so they dreamt it up and put it together and it, so far I'd say it's been pretty successful been a lot of fun coach gross to yeah just the the mind child behind putting this thing together well every time Norman High and Norman North plays at anything it's a clash so now we've got one in golf and uh, Jimmy Austin uh, was so nice as to, to say yeah let's do it out here let's do it let's do a junior clinic before try to grow in Norman and the immediate area, junior golf and, and mid-high golf to come out and watch. Uh, and everybody gets to put on their green and their orange and go out there and hoot and holler and <laughs> head-to-head. You know, it's six players. And the other six players on the team caddy, so they want to move up and play in it next year. Uh, so it's just fun. I mean, the kids have a blast. It's, uh, you know, Army-Navy does that. Air Force does that with uh, with Stanford. And, I mean, Stanford and UCLA do it. So why not do it right here? Yeah, it, it, no, and we've – we, we enjoyed you guys letting us kind of into that world and getting to be a part of it and preview it last year. That was so much fun for us, and uh, what a great showcase for, for golf in Norman. Uh, w- first events, I've got 30 seconds. First events, when are you guys getting underway? We go to Belmar and his place uh, for the uh, Timberwolf Invitational. Yep, that, that's going to be a fun event. We'll have uh, eight teams, eight of the top teams in the state, eight, 18 holes in the morning to seed, and then the afternoon is thirty or another 18 to match play. Well, thank you guys both so much. Good luck this season. We'll talk again soon. But, uh, coaches, hey, thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Take a timeout. That's it for hour number one. Keep rolling along. It's the Gimme Zone right here on the Rev.